What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Toma Todito Boxing Show. Thank you once again for tuning in. And, uh, and I'm, I just got back from, uh, a fun weekend, uh, a fun time I had in Las Vegas. Of course, the, um, the headlines, the news is, uh, is surrounding the defeat of one Saul Canelo Alvarez at the hands of Russia's Dmitry Bebel. Uh, and, um, and right away, as uh, as soon as it was announced, you saw social media going crazy with people quick to jump off of the Canelo Van Wagon and begin the criticism um, of his career, his legacy, uh, criticizing him as a fighter and uh, discrediting his uh, his body of work to to date. So so that's what we'll be talking about today, uh, breaking down the fight, how I saw it, and. Um, it was a fun weekend. I got to see the weigh-ins. Uh, I didn't get to go see watch or, or to watch the, um, the the main event live, or at least I was not in attendance uh, at the T-Mobile Arena. I was live at the uh, at the weigh-ins uh, the day prior, and uh, and w- what a what a spectacle, right? It's a it's a big festive weekend uh, that's been going on for years and years and years that, that Las Vegas adopted, uh, and. Uh, as as one of its biggest weekends, that one, and in September, Mexican uh, Mexican festive weekends, and uh, and what a spectacle the weigh-ins uh, were. This time, it was not held inside the T-Mobile Arena, but rather uh, in the outside uh, area, just outside of the doors of the T-Mobile Arena. They set up a stage, and you had a who's who of um, of commentators there and news outlets. Um, you had Barstool Sports. Uh, for those of you that are familiar with Barstool Sports, uh, they were there. Caleb Presley was walking around there with his crew. Uh, you had, um, uh, Juan Manuel Marquez. You had Julio Cesar Chavez. You had Barrera, of course, uh, was there live. Uh, you name it. It was, uh, Ak and Barack from the zone, of course, because it's a the zone event. They were walking around the crowd trying to, uh, trying to, uh, set up perfectly to, uh, to film their, their segments. And, uh, it was a fun, fun weekend. Uh, I had a chance, I had a chance briefly to speak with, um, and I put it up on my Instagram. If you guys want to see those pictures, I actually had a back and forth, uh, with Chino Maldana for what was maybe a minute to two minutes that we're speaking. Not a lot of people had noticed that he was there. He was inside the railings and I'm walking around and, uh, and I had a brief chance to, uh, to speak with him and, uh, and ask him about his return, or at least there was rumors that he was going to be returning and that he was starting to get back in shape. A lot of people were even rumoring that when De La Hoya was looking to come back, that, uh, that Chino Maldana was going to be his opponent. And, um, uh, so I, I asked him about it and to, to which he answered, uh, no truth to it. His career is done. He's done and he's just enjoying his, uh, his time away from, from training and his time away from the ring. He did look good. He looked in shape and you could check out that picture, uh, that I posted up there. Right as I'm talking to him, people started noticing that it was him and they start getting there. I'm on the outside of the railing. He's on the inside. And as people start screaming, I had the picture taking and I'm posing with them and his attention looks elsewhere. And now it looks like I photobombed <laughs> or at least I snuck in a picture, but I did have a, a good conversation with, uh, with them. And, um, 
And so that was, that was fun. Uh, quick little back and forth with him. And then he turned away. I, I got to see, uh, and, and meet briefly, uh, Sergio Mora, the Latin snake. Of course, now you know him as, uh, one of the commentators for DAZN. Uh, Chris Mannix was walking with him and I got a chance to stop him and, and exchange a few words with them and then, uh, and, or pleasantries, I should say. And, and they were very, very kind. And I got to take a picture with them. So that was, that was pretty cool. I posted that one up there as well, but fun, fun weekend that I had, um, uh, in Las Vegas and, uh, for the, for the festivities. And of course the weigh-in happened and, uh, and the anticipation because every one of these last few Canelo fights is what's going to happen. He's trying to be great. He's trying to write his legacy and, and daring himself, challenging himself, uh, to do stuff that not a lot of boxers are, are doing at the moment. And, um, it's kind of like the Manny Pacquiao approach that he kept moving up and conquering new divisions, even if it was just one title, one stint, but he would go up to new divisions and conquer, um, that division or fight a so-called, uh, who's who of that division. And, um, and so this is kind of the approach that Canelo has taken, you know, except he's dealing with bigger bodies and he's dealing with the, uh, the heavier weight divisions. We had seen him once before in the 175 pound division, a light heavyweight. And that was a few years back when he faced Sergey Kovalev. Of course, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of negativity behind that. The fact that people said he baited Kovalev in with the payday and didn't give him enough training, enough of a training camp, enough of a turnaround, uh, between Kovalev's last fight, which had just happened, uh, a couple months prior to, to him stepping into the ring with Canelo. I think it was a September to November type turnaround. Um, Nonetheless, uh, and that September fight in itself was, I forget who the opponent was, but that September fight was a tough one where Kovalev was actually dropped and it looked like he was about to be stopped and came back and won the fight. Uh, so that was a tough match that he had, uh, quick recovery and quick turnaround to get back into training camp and get back, uh, in shape, uh, to make weight and fight Canelo. Uh, so that was Canelo's first showing. He ended up taking the WBO title from Sergey Kovalev back then. Uh, before he returned to 168, um, and began his, uh, his conquering of that division. The fight itself, if, uh, as, as we look into this fight, um, you guys can let me know what you think. Go ahead and post the comments or reach out to me on Instagram. You could reach out to me on Twitter as well. Uh, the fight itself, the way that I saw it, yes, the anticipation is there. I didn't know what version of Canelo was going to be there. But one thing's for sure, we know uh, we've grown to expect that Canelo ends up throwing power punches. And he throws a lot of power punches, a lot of power, whether it's to the body or to the head. And that's how he starts softening his opponents up. He starts weakening his opponents. And in the last few fights, we saw it with Callum Smith. We saw it with Caleb Plant. We saw it with BJ Saunders. Um Definitely Rocky Fielding was one of the easier tests that he had in that division. Um, where you see the, the onslaught of power. What it, it's not an onslaught, but it's his delivery of power tends to make his opponents create space, gain their distance, and rethink their strategy before they get caught with another one of those punches. It almost like resets their game plan. Uh, it messes with their, with their game plan because his power is real. He has very, very good power, very good overhand, uh, speed, and he lands. He's very accurate with those. We saw it again in this fight. I ended up, 
uh, well, I'll tell you the score here in a little bit, how I score the fight. But he, we ended up seeing that, that approach from Canelo. He ends up showing up with power. He ends up landing some big punches. However, the difference, at least where I saw that Bivol made a difference uh, in his strategy, and this may very well be, excuse me, to the credit of Joel Diaz, because Joel Diaz already stepped uh, or or trained a fighter uh, against Canelo in Abney Yildrim. Uh, Abney Yildrim, of course, gave a self-part performance, um, didn't follow Joel Diaz's plan. He caved into the, to Canelo's power. Joel Diaz came up with a beautiful, beautiful plan, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give credit to Joel Diaz and also credit, obviously, to the man who's in the ring, across the ring from Canelo Alvarez, and taking the power and dealing with the with the punches. Um, Bevo is a very smart fighter, a very fluid fighter. He puts his punches together very, very well, and he tends to throw a lot. He tends to throw a lot of punches. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of knockouts to, to his record, but then again, he's dealing with bigger bodies, um, and more durable, uh, fighters, uh, heavier fighters that could handle power a little bit better, even if the difference in weight divisions is a matter of seven pounds between Canelo's 168, uh, and the 175 division. These are fighters that are walking around 180s, 190s, 200, that are cutting down to make the 175 versus Canelo, who potentially walks around those around the 200, maybe between the 190, 200 pounds, and is cutting down to, to 168. Uh, there's not a lot of fat on Canelo's body. There's not a lot of fat on Bebo's body either. Uh, so... The weight cuts are very, very measured for these two fighters versus that of other fighters who have to go through strenuous cuts, weight cuts to be able to make their desired uh, division, division weight where they choose to fight at. And you see it where there's some really, really big fighters that should not be fighting in those divisions, yet they continue to make the weight. Obviously, it's kind of like uh, the, the Chavez Jr. approach where he was walking around 2, 210 and cutting down to middleweight. Uh, it was in, in draining himself. Bebo is a very disciplined fighter. He's very robotic in the ring. And when we see Canelo throwing those power punches in the first rounds, in the early rounds, something that Canelo knew, and he said it in the interviews leading up to the fight, he could not start slow. He had to start quick. Well, he did. And he started uh, throwing power at Bebo, I think the number that I saw was that he landed a total of 84 punches on Dimitri Bebo. You could consider every single one of those 84 punches that were thrown with bad intentions uh, and full of power, which in turn drained Canelo and drained his energy. Bebo is a very measured, very robotic, very disciplined fighter in there where not everything, even though he's throwing hard jabs, hard punches, not everything was with bad intentions, but rather setting up his power punches as as a disciplined boxer often does and should do. Dimitri Bebel ended up taking the approach of rather than getting hit with the power and creating space or falling back, countering immediately. 
And that's where I was getting at in crediting Joel Diaz because that's something that Abney Yodrim, a fighter who Joel Diaz put, uh, stepped into the ring against Canelo and trained against Canelo, came to the power. And if that's one of the things that they saw, it, Bevo executed it perfectly because instead of stepping back when Canelo would throw the power, it's not a, it wasn't a strategy of, Try to get out of the way every time he's going to throw. Try to figure out when when that power's coming and get out of the way quickly. It was a matter of you're going to have to deal with the power and you're going to have to counter. He was very good with his defense. He was very good at not getting baited into Canelo when Canelo wanted him to, but rather with close to distance and face Canelo, which would often make Canelo go and fight along the ropes, take a step back, fight along the ropes because he was just, he had just released his power. He had thrown his power punch at Bevel and rather than following it up, he was getting countered and that would end up causing Canelo to step back. The fight would often, multiple times throughout the fight, you saw the fight happening along the ropes where Canelo was on the defensive, Bevel was landing a bunch of punches and at least throwing a bunch of punches at Canelo. And it was almost like a five, six, seven punch onslaught to every one or maybe two punches in return uh, from Canelo. That's what was getting Bevel the lead. That's what was getting Bevel, not just in the scorecards, but it was giving him control of the fight. Canelo did not adjust. Canelo's jab was non-existent throughout the fight and his footwork, there was no adjustment to his footwork. There was no adjustment to his game plan. He continued to do the same thing. Just walk towards Bewell, try to catch him with some power, one or two punch execution, and then he was backpedaling because Bewell was returning. Bebo was not creating space uh, and was not running from the power. He was standing in there handling the power and immediately throwing counters at Canelo, which were often landing cleanly. Canelo wouldn't even be able to have enough time to get out of the way, and he was already get, getting caught on the chin with left hooks, getting con clean, uh, caught cleanly on the ear or on the temple uh, with Bevo's return, and it was an immediate return. It was an immediate reaction uh, that Bevo had. He would get hit, and boom, he would start throwing punches, uh, sending punches downrange to, to Canelo, and, uh, and it, it made all the difference in the world. Very little adjustment from Canelo, if any. I, I don't remember seeing any adjustment from Canelo down the second second half of the fight. Um, his jab was non-existent. I think the jab has been something that's been all over headlines and all over uh, people talking about this fight. And they're right. The, the jab was non-existent. Should he have executed a good jab and would it added a good jab, even in the second half of the fight, he would have changed the flow of the fight. Start constantly jabbing, create that space and generate your attack by way of the jab, which is often, which often works for, for boxers, especially when they have a good solid jab. It often works for them because they use it not only as a, as a range, as a space finder or a range finder, but they're able to, um, to, to send their follow-up punches, which are often power punches, uh, or, um, or, um, disguised, uh, disguised punches, uh, which often have power behind them. It, it was a good performance by, by both fighters. Nonetheless, all this criticism that Canelo's taking about he's a faded fighter. Uh, he's not the best fighter in the world. This is, they just proved it, blah, blah, blah. Like it, it, all this crap that's going around. That's, that's 
that's all that it is. It's just crap. It's clickbait. It's clout chasing. It's the the jumping from one wagon to one one. What's it called? The the fan fan wagon or the van wagon, whatever it's called. People just jumping on on the wings of one fighter to the other. Now all of a sudden, all the attention is back to Terence Crawford or Alexander Usyk. These are amazing fighters that are up there and considered as some of the best uh, in the world. And and very likely number ones, number twos, number threes in the world. But because Canelo lost, don't forget that Canelo lost chasing somebody else and challenging somebody else for their title. And came up short. Didn't get knocked out. Didn't get stopped. It was not a one-sided fight, even though, well, let's say this. It was a dominant performance by Bebel, yes. Was it a one-sided fight? Uh, no, it was not a one-sided fight. Canelo was in there. Canelo was active. Canelo was trying to get something going, but it was just his punches were too far in between. Uh, his His game plan was not one that was going to be able to take over uh, the fight because he was not throwing enough. He was not throwing enough. And so if he did hurt Bivol, he gave him plenty of time to recover, especially in the early rounds between the first four rounds. If he hurt Bivol with anything, he would let him get away with it. And then Bivol would come back and land three, four, five punches in succession, in quick succession at that. And, uh, and then you would see Canelo resetting and trying to attack again by way of one or two or maybe three punches. But that was it. I think the last round that I gave Canelo late in the fight was the ninth round that I thought Canelo was coming alive and he was starting to go. He may have sensed something and he was going to try to to go for the stoppage, but that was it. And then from there, the 10th, 11th, and 12th, I gave to Dimitri Bivol. Um, so, so that's kind of the pace of the fight. Was it a one-sided fight? I think the scorecards in Vegas were a lot closer than what we actually saw. The 115 across the board, 115-113 for Bevel, a two-round fight that all three judges saw, was a lot closer of a score than, than what, what we actually saw. I scored a 116-112 for Bevel, so that was a little bit more of a gap. I think for those fighters that scored it even seven, or the, the judges that scored it seven five, sport, sports writers that scored it seven five, even an eight to four, I could agree with that. The only rounds that I scored for, at least the rounds that I saw Canelo win, and why the fight was a little bit closer, was the fact that Canelo's power was often dictating the pace of the fight and the way, at least the pace of the round. His power was coming across as if it had been the strongest punch or the most effective attack of the round versus the pitter-patter return of Dimitri Bivol, where he was throwing. There were several rounds where he threw a lot, but wasn't really connecting. Uh, he was throwing four, five, six punches and maybe landed one, and Canelo's defense was actually working in his favor. Late in the fight, we saw Canelo, especially after the ninth round, Canelo putting those impressive displays of defense, which also translated to Canelo running low on the gas tank because Canelo was starting to get tired and it was visibly, he was visibly tired. 
And so when he was against the ropes, dodging punches, it was very impressive to see that he was able to move that way late in the fight. But that was just diminishing his gas tank even more. And he would come back with nothing. He would just continue circling the ring and didn't even have enough power to come back and throw a punch or land anything on Bevo. And the rounds would end like that. And therefore, Bevo would end up having the most activity and the most effectiveness. And that's how he was winning the fight. This is not a fluke. This was not a robbery. This was a solid performance, a solid blue-collar style performance. This was not a boxing lesson. This was just a solid performance of a good fighter. Executing his game plan, being in great communication with his corner, And in essence, it translated to his defending of his title. Once again, he is, I believe, the longest reigning champion at 175 right now with going on five years, I think, if he's not already at the five-year mark uh, of defending this title. And he's defeated Joe Smith Jr., who's another champion in that division. And better be if who better BF and Joe Smith were supposed to fight earlier in the year, and that fight ended up falling through. Now it's going to be happening June 18th. So that's going to be a huge unification. Three titles in play there. The fourth one is around Dimitri Bevel's waist, and the division is at an all-time great spot, the, the light heavyweight division. Now, with Canelo, the people that completely start discrediting Canelo because he lost, just think about this, he lost nine years ago to Floyd Mayweather Jr., and now he loses to Dimitri Bebo, who's another recognized champion and a great fighter in his own right today, in today's sport. He's daring to conquer another division by moving up to another division and fighting a fighter in his prime in Dimitri Bebo, Versus a faded version of a Sergei Kovalev from a few years ago. So he moved up. He took the challenge. He still sits atop the throne of the 168-pound division. He beat every single one of the available champions. Every single one, not available, but every single one of the champions. Every single person that held the title in that division he dethroned. He took their title and he sits atop the throne. What's next for Canelo? The plans were a fight with Dimitri Bivol, potentially a fight with Triple G in September to close off that trilogy that continues to hunt Canelo. And then maybe his December showing at cruiserweight against Macabu, where he wanted to do the same thing he was trying to do this past Saturday, conquer another division, even higher weight against Macabu at cruiserweight. Those plans may very well have been derailed after this Saturday's results, because now the talks are that there was a rematch clause against Dimitri Bivol, or at least a rematch clause uh, written into the contract, and so he may very well be chasing that rematch against Dimitri Bivol to correct this wrong, something that he never got a chance to correct against Floyd Mayweather. And that was the lingering loss in his, in his record. Now he has a second defeat on there, and he sits at 57-2-2, and where Dimitri Bivol uh, perfects his record to 20-0, an unblemished 20-0 record with the title around his waist. Canelo didn't lose any titles. 
he shouldn't be losing anything in the rankings because he's still the undisputed champ at 168 and he's still the man to chase there. He just came up short and is trying to conquer or at least his, uh, his attempt at beginning to conquer a new division, which is a 175 pound. What's in play for Canelo? I don't know. The fight with David Benavides is what everybody's going to be talking about at 168. David Benavides said that if he doesn't get any fighters of any stature, any uh, Demetrius Andrades, any Charlos, um, or Canelo at 168, then he's going to be looking to move up to 175 as well. So we'll see. But I don't know if the Triple G Trilogy uh, fight still going to be in play. Maybe it will be, and that's how he'll get back into the winning winning side. Uh, if he defeats Triple G in September, maybe he takes another loss. And it'll be one of those years for for Canelo, where he starts uh, hitting the the late stage in his career, even though he's so young and, uh, and he's at the absolute prime, at the absolute peak of his career. That's a trilogy that's always going to be haunting him because people said he never took it when he should have. And now they're going to be criticizing criticizing him that he took it at when Triple G was too old. Uh, but it is what it is, you know, like he's going to do it. He'd rather do it sooner than than later or even later than not ever doing it at all, which is which is what they were hoping for to do this year. That's where we're at right now. It's very unsure. And of course, we're only a day and a half uh, removed, if that, from from the fight happened, taking place this past Saturday. So everything's still fresh. Everything's still up in the air. And it's going to be nothing but speculation. So we'll keep an eye on that. And we'll see. We'll see how the... How the, how this continues to develop and we'll see which, which route Canelo decides to take if he continues with his plans for a September showdown with Triple G, which will still be huge. Uh, or if he decides to go on David Benavides, uh, he could continue with his plan of Triple G and challenging Macabu at an even higher weight. And then maybe getting this rematch with Bebo next year, which would even make it bigger. Or he goes and returns against Bebo in September immediately and takes the rest of the year off uh, after the September showdown. However, that comes out. However, that fight plays out. Bebo, after the fight, ended up saying that he's willing to move down to 168 and challenge Canelo for all of his titles. If that wasn't a headline enough, I mean, that would be even something bigger to look forward to because not only did Canelo fail to beat Vivo at his weight, now he's willing to move down to Canelo's weight and challenge him for his titles in return. Uh, that would be, that would be a hell of a storyline and, uh, and it would be an even bigger fight than this one was, uh, this past Saturday. So. Very, very interesting. Uh, very good to be here in front of the microphone again, talking to you all. And uh, and let me know how you guys scored a fight. Let me know. Let me know what you guys think. But very solid, very solid, disciplined performance by Dimitri Bivo. Congratulations to him. Uh, great, great win, and he keeps an unblemished uh, record. And uh, and I thought it was a, a decent performance by Canelo as well. Just not good enough against a fighter who's who's doing everything possible to, to, to win and who had the control. Is this something, is this something that's going to be a key for other opponents, for future Canelo opponents? Maybe, 
maybe his power got so good that he ended up having a really dominant run and has had a dominant run to, to date because of his power. His power has bailed him out uh, and has overshadowed his shortcomings. And now you had somebody who withstood that that pain, who withstood the power uh, and had an and had an answer for Canelo, had a game plan for that power, uh, something where none of the previous opponents have had an answer to. He had an answer to it, and Canelo was not able to adjust when he needed to. So just when we're starting to think that Canelo is just near perfection, there's still work to be done and more room for improvement. I'm sure Canelo and the team didn't think that he could lose any more from here until he announced his retirement. And here you go. Another obstacle on the road and proof that you have to continue sharpening your craft. And if anybody works hard, it's Canelo. We watch those videos and he works really, really hard at his craft. But it just, this is more proof that just when you think you're atop your game, Somebody else is working just as hard, if not harder, to take you off your game. And you need to continue perfecting your skill. You need to continue to better your skill set and add more to your skill set, add more tools to your skill set and uh, and sharpening those tools. Canelo has work to do. If he sticks with plan A and plan A and plan A from here on out, He's going to run into another opponent or multitude of opponents that are going to have an answer for him, just like Dimitri Bivol did. And and he, by the same token, he may find continue to find success depending on which opponents he picks and which opponents step into the ring with them. If he fixes this and executes or, or comes up with a plan B and a plan C and has better footwork, he has good, great defense. He has good punching power. He has good punch delivery, but he had no answer for Bevo. He needed to adjust. And someone who's at the top of the world and considered a, one of the best boxers and fighters in the entire world had a huge flaw present itself and a huge flaw uh, exposed for the entire world to see this past Saturday night. And uh, that's something that Canelo is going to have to continue working at and uh, and hopefully has a has an answer has an answer for and they develop an answer for that at least a plan b uh to his to his very effective plan a um very 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 impressive very impressive uh it wasn't one of those miraculous one of those magnificent uh fights like we've seen in the past few weeks it wasn't one of those uh phone booth style fights where it was just like holy crap i had no idea which way it was going to go this was as this was a solid boxing match a solid uh, boxing showing by two fighters and a very clear very clear clear um display of control of on behalf of one fighter uh versus the other bevo taking control of the fight and it was very uh evident where when when he took control of the fight and he did not let go and he secured the win defended his throne defended his title did what he was supposed to do and handed a loss to one of the biggest names if not the biggest name in the sport today uh, well i'll leave you guys with that it was a fun fun episode fun to revisit this past saturday don't forget 
Don't forget to subscribe, follow the show, uh, continue to spread the word and, uh, and get your friends, your family, uh, your fellow boxing fans to, um, to join the show and, uh, and to, to show me some love as well. Check me out on Instagram. I'll post those pictures with Sergio Mora and, uh, and Chino Maldana where he turned away from me, uh, right as I was taking the picture. So uh, that was pretty funny. And then, uh, and, uh, and don't forget, follow me. Follow me on uh, on Instagram. Follow me on uh, on Twitter as well. Leave me comments, and uh, and I'll be looking forward to um, to getting back to you. Have a good one. Have a good night. Tomatolito Boxing Show.